Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is titled, The Big Power of Small Groups, and is the first message in the United Sermon Series. Today's message is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about the other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out on our website at bccma.org or shoot us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Um, Another exciting thing about um, the fall is we kick off community groups again. And I know you're excited about getting, those of you that are already in community group, you're excited about getting back in your community group. And um, I just want to go through uh, some of the groups. And I, I was thought about bringing all the leaders on the platform today, but not being at Labor Day weekend, I wasn't sure how many would be here. And I look around, and I think I see several here. So here's what I'm going to do. Rather than asking you all to come on the platform, I'm going to ask you, uh, when I mention your group, I want, if you're a, if you're a leader or you're a host, we have some groups that have host and leader, then I want you to stand up. And so I'm going to start with, well, I'm going to start with Sunday night and go through the week to let you know about our groups. And uh, you can sign up out at Connection Central after church, or you can go on the BCC, BCC app, and you can sign up there. And uh, so Sunday night, we're starting a brand new young adult group in Hopedale at the Pfeffers. Scott and Susan Pfeffer, would you stand? And uh, I know you'll want to hang out with them because I like hanging out with them. Uh, Monday night, uh, we have a what we call a general group in life situation is the Seaver Vanelli group. That's a great group. Are the Seavers and the Vanellis here today? Stand up if you're here. These are great people in, in Milford. And they're going to be talking about uh, why I believe, what am I becoming? I, I really felt like as I prayed about what we were to talk about this, this fall, I really felt that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I, 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 want to, I want you to help people examine their foundation. What is their foundation of their faith? And I know some of you uh, have, have a very firm faith, but it will, it will be good for you to talk about what those foundations are, improve your vocabulary about what they are, and to rediscover. So, uh, what, why I believe and what am I, be, what am, why am I, why, why I believe and what am I becoming? Uh, it's, it's really important sequential uh, ideas that you're going to be talking about. The, the most important thing you're going to be together. And then, then also on Monday night, we have a couples group, and that's, uh, 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 they're going to be talking about the meaning of marriage by Tim Keller, and that's the Haskells and the Schultz group. So Jared and Sam Haskell, if you're here, stand up, Emma and Kyle Schultz, and uh, Linda and Matt Porch are the host, and uh, yes, and that's right here in Minden. Okay, Tuesday night is a, a, a general group in Millville. It's the word group, and every, everybody wants to hang out with Craig and Rhonda, right? I, I like hanging out. I played golf with Craig on Monday. We had an awesome time. We came in second place, by the way. We, we won the tournament last year. We came in second this year. Uh, uh, Craig didn't have his best day. <laughs> <laughs> 
But when Craig has his best day, we win, so that, that, that tells you how bad I am. <laughs> and that's in Millville on Monday, Monday night. Craig, did Craig and Rhonda stand up? I can't see. All right. Um, and they're studying why I believe, what, sh- what am I becoming? Uh, Wednesday night, we have a general group. In, uh, Wednesday morning, we have a general group uh, here in Menden. That's, that's uh, the, the, the Sutton group. Uh, I, I believe jo- Joanne is here. I think Joanne might be working this morning. And, uh, and uh, Mike is out in security today. But they... Oh, he's here? I, I just see a train coming at me when I look up. But uh, I'm, told by, I'm told by the expert millennials this is a better experience for all of you. So, okay, what do I know? Um, and also, Quentin Manson's also part of that, so we call it the Sutton Manson Group, and they, uh, that's a, that group's been one of the strongest groups we have. I, 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 I started leading it, so that's kind of something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> amen? Uh, Thursday night, we have a, have a ladies' group that meets here in Menden, and Colleen Hamill is going to be leading that group. Colleen, are you here? Did you stand up? And they're going to be studying the DNA of joy, really a great study. And I watched a couple of those uh, videos of that study, great study. And then Thursday night, Thursday p.m., we have a general group in Milford, uh, led by Chris, uh, Christine Romero and the Cunhas. Would you all stand? Romero's and Cunhas. And they'll also be studying why I, what I believe and what am I becoming. And uh, that's going to be a great group. And then also Thursday night, I'm going to try an experiment this year. For those people who, for whatever reason, can't get to a group, uh, but you'd like to be connected in a way, I'm going to start an internet group, and we're going to be discussing the Sunday sermon, led by yours truly. I'm going to start an internet group, and I can only handle about 12 people in this group, because it's an experiment. I'm trying it for the first time, and uh, we'll be using a program, an app called Zoom, and I'm not sure just how it's going to... I'm afraid if I get 20 people in, it's going to be really too weird. It's going to be too many people uh, in, the, in, the, in the camera so, uh, or on the screen. So we're going to try it with a dozen people. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about maybe engaging with some people who for one reason or another couldn't get out to a group. So Thursday night, we're going to have a, we're going to have a group uh, on the Internet. So uh, I know some of you... I look forward to engaging with some of you there. Saturday morning is a men's group in Milford led by Steve Johnson. Steve's back in the sound booth. And they're going to be discussing Play the Man by Mark Batterson. And then Sunday a.m., we have a very, very special group. It's a unique group, kind of an interest group. And it's the people who are especially interested in prayer. And that's here Sunday morning. We call it the Gap Prayer Meeting at 9.15. It meets over in the community center and it's led by Joanne Sutton. So those are, the purpose of community groups is connection. This is the purpose. Connection is a place for you to get connected with God's people. And once you get connected, all kinds of good things can happen. All kinds of amazing things can happen once you get your life connected. In fact, that's what I'm going to preach about today. I'm going to, we're beginning a series called United. And because it's the beginning of the small group season... I decided to kind of get things out of order, and it may, it may feel a little out of order, but I think if you'll hang in here with the series, it will, it will all fit in with the rest of the series. 
But the whole idea of, of becoming united and becoming one and becoming together, we know we can accomplish so much more together, begins by getting the very smallest unit together. That's the way unity works, by getting the very smallest unit and all the way down to getting yourself together and then getting together with another person or a few other people. And it's the way your human body is organized by cells. That's how your human body is organized. It's organized by cells. And all the cells that make up your heart are all cells that belong with the heart. And if, if you didn't have, your, if your body wasn't grouped by, by, by organs or by cells that make up small, or, or small, relatively small compared to the rest of your body, relatively small organs in your body, your body would not operate. The, the unity of your body depends upon a whole bunch of, a whole, a, a whole series of small units working in unity with themselves and then working in unity with the rest of the body. So when we talk about unity, and I'm not just talking about, when we talk about the united body of Christ, we're not just talking about the unity of, Beth, unity of Bethany Community Church, but we're talking about the unity of the big C church as well as Bethany, the, the little C church. But, but, but unity in the big C church begins with unity in the little C. And unity in the little C begins with unity in the, in, in the smaller groups within that church. And, and the smaller groups within that church depend on the unity of the individual. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Circle, at least in your mind, temple courts. They met, they met in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, circle homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they met in the temple courts. But notice all the things that happened in their homes, in small groups. They broke bread, they ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now I want to jump to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and just read a companion verse. For it says there, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, we hear today, and I... Uh, talk about it sometimes, either in my blogs or in sermons or whatever, I talk about the dangers of tribalism. Tribalism, when someone's right because they're part of your group, not because they're really right, or they're wrong because they're part of another group, not because they're really wrong. And there's a problem in the world with tribalism, uh, as we know. Uh, tribalism, this is, is something that is natural, but we know it can be a problem in, in the culture. I, I looked up, uh, you know, what is tribalism? I typed that into a search engine, and uh, what came up in the image besides the Wikipedia definition was hooded KKK figures around a burning cross. 
So, so that's what people think of when they think of a group of people getting together in unity. They think of tribalism and, and the danger of tribalism. You probably heard about the, um, the uh, controversy this week. I guess there's a new movie about Americans first landing on the moon. And they cut out the scene where Buzz Aldrin plants the American flag on the moon. And a lot of people are very upset about that. That, that they cut out the scene of, of him planting the American flag on the moon. And uh, Ryan Gosling, who played the actor who played Buzz Aldrin, his response to the criticism was that that, that magic moment was intentionally omitted from the big screen because Armstrong's achievements transcended countries and borders. So, so you see, the, the, the smaller group has kind of a, a bad rap right now. It, it's considered, it's con we, we view it with suspicion because when, when we talk about getting together as a group and having a membership as a group, it brings to mind things like uh, exclusion, excluding outsiders. It, it brings to mind things like showing a desire for dominance, that, that our team wins. And, and it's viewed kind of as culturally toxic right now. But Jesus says very clearly and teaches us very clearly that the church is supposed to be a unit. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to have an identity as a group. But that identity as a group, if it functions correctly, it actually blesses the world. It doesn't hurt the world. It doesn't create a dangerous dominance hierarchy. It doesn't create a... a, a a, a dangerous, uh, toxic component thing that hurts society because it's hateful and it's it's divisive, and it's trying to it's trying to uh, to dominate the landscape or dominate the politics or dominate the world. Instead, it's something that's that's a blessing. Jesus defined us as salt, light, and the role model city on a hill to the world around us. And of course, we have the verse of Scripture, our favorite verse of Scripture probably in the whole Bible, is that God so loved the world. So we know God it looks at the church and says, I want you guys to get united. I want you guys to create an identity. I want you to be my people. I want you to be the salt. I want you to be the light. He says it in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. And God says, I want you to be separate. I want you to be the separate group. But your separation is not going to be so you can dominate not so, not so you can overpower. This separation is not so you can be a military force or even a political force, but so that you can be salt, a preservation, a means of preservation. You can be light. You, you can illuminate the world around you. Your unity will not result in oppression, but your, your unity will result in liberation. Your unity will not result in hate, but it will result in love. 
Your unity will not result and will not cause there to be discrimination, but your unity will cause there to be acceptance. And your unity will cause there to be redemption. This is what the message is about for the next three or four weeks, next four weeks, next three Sundays after this one. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I remember someone came into the church for a while that I really tried to win them over to the faith. And I did not succeed, even though I talked to them for quite a few hours. We talked privately. And he would sit back there. And one of the things that bothered him that he couldn't ever, ever reconcile was the fact that there was a we, the church, and us, the world, idea. That idea was very bothersome to him. And I, I, I don't think I ever succeeded in showing him what that was about. And, and I don't have time to. I could explain why, why we do tribalize and why that is actually a part of God's plan for culture. Um, and maybe I will a little bit in a minute uh, because it's important that we understand that this is not aberrant. That it's not aberrant to have people that are your people. It's not aberrant to be a part of a group. Let me just read one more verse before I talk more about that. John 13, 35. By this will all men know you are my disciples. Uh, pardon me, it's not another, another, not another verse, but it's just something I want to say. My contention is this. Here's my contention. If we don't band together, hold one another closely... And love one another fiercely. We cannot live out. Matthew 5.13 and John 13. If we don't get united. If we don't hold each other close. If we don't love one another fiercely. We will not be able. To be that loving. Force. To the world around us. I've already illustrated. By the cells in our body. All of life is predicated on cells and clusters of cells. Think about babies. What if a baby was born to a mob? What if a baby just showed up in the middle of Grand Central Station? That's how babies came to be. Oh, there's a baby. Now... The, the best thing that could happen to that baby is some little family, little cell, takes that baby home and raises it. That mob cannot raise that baby. That baby has to be raised by a family, a small unit. That small unit might be only one other person, or two other people, or three other people, or four or five other people, or if you're really proliferate, nine or ten. <laughs> But that baby needs that smaller unit. Another good illustration is, is one of my favorite reasons for fall is they play football again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, forget all the other sports. I like, I like to watch football. And what do they do except unless they're in a hurry-up offense, which if you don't watch football, you don't know what that is. But just believe me, it's hurry-up offense is wear people out. And you can't, you can't play 
you can't play a football game. The offense can't play the game without a huddle. They have to huddle. And they may, they may run three or four minutes without doing that. And the Patriots do that a lot. But for the game to really work correctly, they got to pull everybody in. And they got to call the play. And that's how, they, that's how the game is played. And that's how the game of life is played. The game of life is played. Every one of you in this room need a holy huddle. You need a holy huddle. You need to live a part of your life in a circle. I said you need to live a part of your life in a circle. You can't grow, become, accomplish what you need to grow, accomplish, or become living your Christian life in rows. See, there are three practices of a healthy life. Three practices. One is finding solitude and being able to be productively alone. Finding solitude and practicing the fine art of thinking. For some people, that would be a brand new experience. Because let me tell you what thinking is. Thinking is not, thinking is not just solitude. Thinking is not just being quiet with nothing going on. Thinking is actually a very loud and aggressive act. Thinking is when you set up two personalities within inside of your head and you let them fight it out. Two opposite opinions. And you let those two opinions go at it till the right opinion wins. That's thinking. You can tell when you talk to a person whether they have thought or not. Or whether they're just repeating the same things over and over again. A person who doesn't think never changes their mind. A person that never thinks never grows. Never becomes something more than what they were. Because they just keep repeating the same things that have been in their head since they were a child. Or the same things that everybody around them. They just become an echo of everybody that's around them. They just become an echo of social media. But people that think will change their minds. It's very important to have a small group inside your head. That's where small group, good small groups start. They start inside of your soul. When you have the ability to have dialogue within your own soul. David, boy, the, the Psalms are just full of this. When David talked about, my soul, why are you disquieted? Why are you upset? That's a guy who knows how to think. Who knows how to challenge and think his own soul. A second practice is the gathering in a congregation. Not practicing the fine art of thinking, but the fine art of listening. That's what some of you are practicing right now, and some of you are not. You're, you're thinking, and this is not time for you to think. It's time for you to listen. Think later. Come out of yourself, please, and join us in this act, this 
I, I think this is a marvelous activity, maybe because I get to be up front a lot. And, and, but I certainly enjoy it when I'm not in front, too. So I enjoyed last Sunday a lot and enjoyed hearing Jay preach. Didn't he do a great job? Excellent. Yeah. And I just love to listen, man. I listen to, to two-hour lectures. I listen when I'm driving down the road. I listen to all kinds of things and all kinds of people. I, listen, I, I bet I'll listen to six sermons this week of other people preaching. I love to listen. And it's an important activity. Listening is when you concentrate with all your energy to hear and respond to the wisdom that resides in another. See, wisdom, uh, listening is when you believe that almost everybody, and almost everybody, like 99% of people have something, to, and maybe 100% have something that they could teach you. It comes from the humility of believing that. The third thing, though, is what I really want to talk about today. That's meeting in a circle of acquaintances and practicing the fine art of sharing. That's what small groups are. Sharing is when a circle of people willing to love, dump all they are and all they have in the middle of the circle for the others to take what they need. That's the small group. Johan Harry, uh, in his excellent book, Lost Connections, says the internet was born into a world where many people had already lost their sense of connection to each other. The collapse had already taken, been taking place for decades by then. The web arrived, offering them a kind of parody of what they were losing. Facebook friends in place of neighbors, video games in place of meaningful work, status updates in place of status in the world. The comedian Mark Moran once wrote that every status update is just a variation on a single request. Would you, someone please acknowledge me? You know, I had, I posted something the other day. It was funny, I thought it was funny, and I, apparently other people did. Uh, a guy said, I, it was a screenshot from Twitter, a guy went and said, uh, or a lady actually said she went into um, Starbucks and, and, and they asked her name. Uh, uh, she said, uh, 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 how was it? How'd it go? Somebody read it for me. I, I just, just took, yeah, God is good, the Lord be with you. That's what I said. And, and uh, then when they called her name, uh, uh, half of the Starbucks said, and with, and, and, and with you and, with, and the other half and with your spirit. And I just noticed while ago was before I uh, uh, before the service I was I noticed I had 567 likes. That's that's, that's incredible. I feel so validated, man. <laughs> that's how that's how we think, right? God has given the, the cure to loneliness. Though it's not Facebook, guys. It's not Twitter. It's not. It's not. That's not where we're going to have this problem of loneliness solved. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. And, I, and nothing wrong with the connection of social media. It's, it's fun. It's cool. It's awesome. And I'm, it's great to connect with people th through social media. But it's not where we're going to solve the problem of loneliness. It's, we're not going to solve the problem of people that are so lonely they're killing themselves. We're not going to solve it there. We've got to get into each other's lives. We've got to get into each other's homes. That's, we've got to get into each other's homes. We've got to sit at each other's table. We've got to eat each other's food. We've got to hear each other's voices. We've got to, we've got to tell each other's stories. And it's not going to be done in little, little posts or, or 140 characters on Twitter. It, it just doesn't work like that. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now, you need to understand, I know I'm spending a little too long before I get to the three main talking points that I wanted to get to. Maybe I won't even get to them. 
but it's okay. I, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to say this to you. you you've got to understand the difference between sitting in rows and sitting in circles. There's a different set of, you, you've got to develop a different set of expectations. If you don't, you will take the expectations that you have in the Sunday service and you will take them to the small group and the small group will fail you and it won't do what you wanted it to do. But if you expect the same things, think about Sunday morning. You come and the burden of this being a meaningful time is almost completely on this platform. It's almost completely on how well the worship team does and they do an amazing job. So you, that, that's that, 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 that's. Part of the reason some of you are here. It's depending on how well the greeters do. How well the hospitality team does. It's depending on how well the preacher does. How well me or whoever's preaching up here. How well we do. The burden is almost totally on other people to make it a meaningful experience. And that's okay. God is okay with that. God has raised up people in the church. He's raised up pastors and he's raised up musicians and worship leaders and he's raised up leaders. He's raised up people that, that, that are happy to serve you and feed you and, 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 and be available and spend hours of their time making sure that this hour, hour and a half of your life, hour and 45 minutes, whatever it ends up being, make sure it's a meaningful experience and it brings you to very, very important decisions about your life. And many of you have sat in this room Sunday after Sunday and you've made some very important decisions about your life and about your relationships and about your relationship with God. And you've become convinced of some very important things. So this is, I don't, I don't put down this experience. But don't take that expectation to your small group because that's not what it's really about. The small group, you are the one that goes to give. You come here on Sunday morning mainly to receive unless you have responsibility. You go to small group to give. You go to small group to be known. You go to small group to participate you go to small group to connect. You go to small group to make yourself available. Yes, there will be a video and there will be some nice teaching and, and, and all of that. But, and that will be there. But that's not really what small group is all about. Small group is all about the body of Christ coming together. The small group is about getting the cells connected. The small group is where the power is. The small group is, notice, notice in the early church, the small group is where, it, where, it, where things happened. The small group is where there was the sharing of lives. The small group is where there was the participation of communion. Not one time is communion ever mentioned in a public service or in the temple courts. Communion was always in the home. Communion was always in the small group. Because communion is, is, is it's the Eucharist. It's the broken body of Jesus Christ. That's what communion represents. So really small group as we have it in, this, in the service on Sunday morning, we do have it. But to really, really, really manifest the Eucharist, the broken body of Christ, it's when you are the broken body of Christ. It's when you are broken. And you take your brokenness and the brokenness that you are and you break yourself and you offer a blessing out of who you are to other people. That's what will make the church come alive let me see if I can kind of power through these these points I think they are important I'm talking about the big power of small groups that's what the title is 
First of all, there's the big power of utilizing everyone and everything. All the believers were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Loaves and fishes, the little boy, five loaves, two fishes, he breaks them. He brings what he has, and everybody's fed. Yon Harry also said, loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people. It's the sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone else. If you have lots of people around you, perhaps even a husband or wife or a family or a busy workplace, but you don't share anything that matters with them, then you'll still be lonely. Well, that's powerful. Inside of you are gifts that are just waiting to be given. And those gifts inside of you, when the small group is done, biblically, those gifts are unwrapped. Amen? amen. amen. Glad I have Kyle, uh, Cal back. Got someone to say amen. <laughs> Your spiritual gifts that are listed in Romans 12 are revealed in the biblical small group. We're not, we're not, there's no way on a Sunday morning service, and you know, we have a lot of empty seats here, a few empty seats here today because of the Labor Day weekend. But even, even here today, we, please don't reveal all your spiritual gifts right now. We don't have time. You know, I kind of am hopefully revealing a couple. <laughs> Maybe not, but I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to unwrap something for you. Your practical skills. That help others are revealed. They can't be revealed in the Sunday morning service. Your unique life experiences and knowledge is, knowledge is revealed in a small group. Man, in small groups, I've learned things about people. I didn't, had no idea they were good at that or this or the other. But I learned about it in a small group. Your story can be told. Boy, Jay talked about this so effectively last week. Your story can be told and heard in a small group. We, we can't hear everybody's story today. We can't, it just, there's not time, it's not practical, it, it's, it's too, some of you would never, some of you would be like, a, my dad used to say, popcorn testimony, jump up, turn white, and sit back down. You know, <laughs> you, you have ego, ego, egomaniacs like me, who like to get up and talk for 30, 40 minutes, you know, we can't handle too many of people like me, it's, it would be too much, right? Your flaws and needs can be revealed in a small group. There's stuff about you that we don't want to know on Sunday morning. <laughs> we just don't want to know, Tom. There's some stuff we don't... Just please don't stand up and blurt it out. I mean, it just... It would just... wouldn't work. But on Monday night or Thursday night... Oh, I've, I've, I've been there, man. I've been there, that group. I'll never forget that night when that woman came in and she had been diagnosed with cancer already and we were praying and then she shared with all of us some things her husband had done that were so bad and, and their marriage was falling apart. And we said, forget the lesson tonight. We don't, need to, we don't need to watch the video or do the Bible study. And we spent the whole evening just holding her and praying with her. That can't happen on Sunday morning. That can only happen in the small group. Uh, let, me, uh, let me show you a clip of Rick Warren. It's going to take three minutes. And he is the, kind of the father of small groups. <laughs> and the one that got me interested mostly in small groups, at least for Bethany. So let's run that. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians 6.2. 
share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, in other words, when we share each other's troubles and problems, in this way, you obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbors yourself. And when you're in a small group and you pray for somebody who's just gone through a tough time, somebody just says, you know, this week was terrible. This happened, this happened, this happened. And you stop and you pray for them and you encourage them. You give them a pat on the back. You give them a warm, uh, uh, encouraging word. You have just done the one another's. You have just shepherded the flock yourself. You have been a part of the family of God. You've been a part of the body of Christ. You've been a part of the temple of God. You've been a part of the flock of God. And there has been protection and care. First Thessalonians 5, 11 says, encourage each other and give each other strength. You get strength, I get strength, but we encourage each other in a small group. So here's my question. Who's looking out for you? Here's another question. Who are you looking out for? Can you name three or four specific people? You go, these are people in our flock, in our family, in our small group, in our body of Christ that I'm looking out for. And they're looking out for me. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. That's what it means that I'm not just called to be loved. I am called by God to belong. And one day you'll stand before God and you'll say, did you do that one? Did you do the belonging part? That I called you to be a part of my family, a part of my flock, a part of my temple, a, you know, a part of my body. Did you do those things? But here's the cool thing. All the stuff that you're most embarrassed about in the world, God uses it for good in the church. The very thing you're most embarrassed about, your habits, your hurts, your hang-ups, your sins, your mistakes, your weaknesses, God says, you know what? In my family, I'm gonna use those to encourage other people. So the stuff you wanna keep a secret from everybody else in the world, you get to tell everybody here because it'll encourage them. Who could better help somebody who's on the verge of a divorce and somebody who's been on the verge of a divorce. Been there, done that, let me tell you what's going on. Who could better help somebody who, who's struggling with an addiction than somebody who's had an addiction? Who could better help somebody who's been molested than somebody who's been molested? Who could better help somebody who's gone through a bankruptcy or has lost a child or any, anything, good, bad, sinful? God says, I can use it all. Isn't that good? Seven things. Yeah, give Rick a hand. He's, he's the best. Seven things that happen in a small group. They studied the Bible together. Number two, they fellowshiped together. Number three, they took communion together. Number four, they prayed together. Number five, they helped each other in practical ways. And we know about that. I see small groups at Bethany. Saturday morning comes. They're moving each other. Great. Number six, they ate together. Food's no small matter. It's a highly spiritual thing to eat together. I mean that. They worship together. Let me move on. Here's the great thing about small groups. We will have the big power of knowing everyone, knowing everyone's experience of God. The Bible says, an awe came upon every soul. The word phobos there is fear or awe is actually the word phobos, and the King James translates it fear. 
And I didn't like that when I read that the other day. I said, fear. I don't like that. Fear came on everyone. I looked it up, and it meant fear. <laughs> it's just amazing that sometimes words mean exactly what they said. Don't know exactly why they chose that word, but I found in Bard's notes of the Bible, he said, the effect of a great work of God's grace, and listen to this, God's work of God's grace is commonly to produce an unusual seriousness. And then, then I think God helped me with that, which I don't, still don't fully understand it maybe. But it's like God said to me, if people will do small groups correctly and biblically, they will get serious about me. And they will experience what it's like to be serious about God in their life. So let's take that as a meaning that will be helpful to us today. The last thing I want to talk about is the big power of a world that admires the church. And the Lord added to their number, Acts 2, 47, those who were being saved. Okay, remember what I said in the beginning today? That I know there are certain voices out there in the culture that are critical of boundaries in groups with boundaries, even though they end up creating groups too. So it's kind of, it gets rather hypocritical after a while. But nevertheless, they're critical, and sometimes rightfully so, because groups can be very bad and oppressive. They can be, all of those bad things. Can be, groups can become very toxic. You may have been a part of, maybe your family was a toxic group. That can happen. But done right, instead of Instead of pushing the world away, it makes us irresistible. I said it makes us irresistible. Do you realize, as a church, what we've done with Compassion New England? Compassion New England, the, the people that run that and that are part of our church, they're like a small group over there. They're like a cell group that does Compassion New England. We all don't show up and do it. They'd like for more of us to show up, so let's do that. They're like a small group that does this amazing thing. Uh, Sherry was in line at uh, Target this week. And the gal at the, and I'm not going to tell this exactly right, Sherry, but I'm going to do my best. The gal who she's checking Sherry out says, are you with the Blessing Barn? And Sherry says, yes. And she said, I was with an abusive husband. And I had two small children. And I had to get out, and I went into an apartment, and I had no furniture and nothing. And the social worker said to me, if you will go to the blessing barn, you will have everything you need. And the woman at the register, waiting on Sherry and Target this week, began to cry. And the woman behind in the line started to cry. I'm telling you, Compassion New England is actually the power of a small group. It's the power of a small group. We're supposed to be excellent at everything. We do preaching, singing, you know. Here's the problem, you know, and we're part of the problem. We pastors are part of the problem. Because when we judge how well our church is doing, you know what we're going to talk about? You know, we'll go into staff meeting and talk about how did the Sunday service go? Pastor, you preached too long. Yeah, you're right. I got, I got carried away. I didn't pace myself. Oh, 
You put the wrong words up on the music. So, hey. We, we, we have completely judged how well the church is doing by the performers on Sunday morning. And I'm going to tell you, we're putting, we're putting the stethoscope on the wrong place. The heart of the church is the relationships that the church people have with one another. Amen. The connections that God's people have with one another. The, the, if the connections that God's people have with one another are holy and productive and happy and caring and outward focused, you've got a healthy church. Amen? Amen? By the way, get ready with that video. I, I blew past this really important video. It's only a 45-second video, but I'm going to close with it, guys, because I think maybe God had me. I always use that excuse when I forget. God had me do it. <laughs> and it works for me. It doesn't work for anyone else. Rick Warren said, after they started small groups and the church began to grow, one day, he'd come to the realization that he could not do hospital visitation and, anymore. He, you know, the church was getting large, and he had sort of a nervous breakdown, and he just had to stop. But there was a guy named Walt that he had always had a very close relationship with, and Walt goes to the hospital, and he's thinking, you know, I know I, I, know I promised the staff and the church I wouldn't do visitation anymore, but I'm going to go see Walt. And he goes over, and... The receptionist, the nurse rather, stopped him. Said, where are you going? I'm going to Walt's room. Well, no, you can't go see Walt. He's had, he said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor from Saddleback Church. He said, well, I've had seven pastors visit him already today. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm, you know, he's thinking, well, I'm the head honcho. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the uh, grand poobah or whatever. And she said, no, you can't go back because there's been seven pastors. Well, you know, they weren't pastors. It was seven members of his small group that had showed up separately to visit Walt. And she wouldn't let the senior pastor in to see him. I would, that, that is a great day in the life of a pastor. <laughs> he said he sneaked in and wouldn't see him anyway. <laughs> but I want to show you this. I love this little video, but you're going to have to really pay attention. And I promise... When I come back, I'm going to read one more verse and I'm going to let you go because we want to go greet uh, uh, Alyssa and Zach today and uh, have some fellowship with them. And I want you to go sign up for a small group. So I promise you, uh, but you're going to have to pay close attention. This is, um, this is a, a pit crew uh, in uh, the Grand Prix race in Europe who won the award for the fastest pit crew. I want you to see it and I want you to realize the power of a great small group. <laughs> that's enough, that's enough. Some of you didn't even catch what all they did. <laughs> they changed four tires <laughs> in 4.5 seconds. <laughs> That's why to have 
unity in the world. We need to have great effectiveness at unity at the very smallest level. That's why, that's, so you should be encouraged by this. You want to change the world. Get yourself organized first. Get, your, get you and your friends organized. And you will become a force to change the world. Let me read this verse and then, we'll, then we're done. Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Not by the senior pastor, not by the youth pastor, not by the uh, church business manager, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm ordaining every one of you to the ministry right now. Father, I ordain every person here to full-time ministry in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I anoint them, and I pray they'll all be filled with the Holy Ghost to do their job. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Let's enjoy the day. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend.